0: You're listening to the March-April 2013 podcast edition of Alberta Doctors Digest. Once again, I'm your host and editor-in-chief, Marvin Polis. Now it's time for one of our regular editorials in a different vein. Joining me over the phone line is Dr. Sandy Patterson. He's the co-editor of Alberta Doctors' Digest. This time, Sandy wants to talk about the bureaucracy of the Alberta healthcare system and a principle he calls FrankenHealth. Sandy, what do you mean by this?
1: I still think Alberta Health Services is too big for decision-making. I go into it really looking at the recruiting strategies of Alberta Health Services compared to problems that are occurring in the community. And that occurred with uh, poor Dr. Lucy Bogle, who is down in Milk River, and she's been trying to get general practitioners down there for, it seems, about three or four years. I remember her uh, when I was in Edmonton, um, and she'd send an occasional cancer patient up, and I couldn't believe it when I heard it. And then I thought, boy, you know, some of the incentives that are used to, bring people into Alberta Health Services, it must be really tough to get people to apply for vice presidential appointments and all sorts of wonderful sounding names with the big perks and pensions and pay and pay not taken. I think that's gone, which is excellent to see.
0: Really tough. Am I sensing a little bit of sarcasm in your voice, Sandy?
1: Irony. Irony. (laughs) 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 So then um, we... You know, I did want to write something that was a bit more cheerful, but everything in February when I was writing was on the news. There was the problems with the travel accounts and rather snarky comments from Ms. Redford, which didn't really help at all. I got to thinking about uh, things, and then Chris Eagle says, well, you know, the administrative costs are 3.3% of uh, total costs, and this is the lowest in the country. And I thought, aha, because there is general skepticism about any kind of healthcare statistics and the reason being that you don't know what constitutes the denominator and you don't know what the numerator is and I thought before we accept these kind of stats um you should have the methodology in front of you and this is often you know provincial comparisons they're, they're comparing quite different things so there's uh, skepticism there and perhaps even cynicism. Uh, that's one thing the cost of the bureaucracy and that will keep increasing according
0: to Parkinson's laws. Now these are Parkinson's laws of bureaucratic behavior this is what you're referring to correct?
1: Yeah they're uh, well established and they're from uh, the uh, Francis Parkinson I think he was his first name Professor Parkinson who wrote very humorous books which uh, always had a sting in the tail because there was always truth about all these laws that come with large organizations. And I have experienced this, and I'm sure everybody has. And I've got one example that is outrageous, uh, that has been sitting around for three years. It brought to mind Parkinson's Law of a Thousand, which is his ninth law, And that is an enterprise employing more than a 1,000 people becomes a self-perpetuating empire, creating so much internal work that it no longer needs any contact with the outside world. The problem we have in the trenches is getting through to the decision-makers, the fiscal decision-makers. And it's becoming slower and slower, and I cannot get a decision on a very simple test that is required... And is a very useful one that will save our patients from having chemotherapy if it doesn't seem to be useful and the chemotherapy as you know can cause leukemia and down the road and we don't want to be using these powerful dangerous drugs in circumstances where there is no benefit and I cannot seem to get it through to the fiscal decision-makers it's been three years it's batted back and forth in in um, committees the Technology assessment people now are looking at, it's been looked at oh at least nine times across the country and across the world, even NICE, NICE, the slow government organization in Britain has approved it, but not in Alberta yet. Uh, The tech assessment people have have had it for a year. Uh, It's just unbelievable. This is what happens when you've got a large bureaucracy. Nobody will take a decision, a fiscal decision. We're now, I think, in some trouble with keeping up with what's happening with changes in, uh, certainly in oncology. Now, that's just one area, and I'm obviously beating my own drum there, but I know there are going to be similar problems in other areas.
0: And Sandy, I think you wanted to draw attention here to one of Parkinson's other laws, which is the fifth law. Tell me about this.
1: Ah, the fifth law. A good bureaucracy, if there's a way to delay an important decision, the good bureaucracy, public or private, will find it. And that's what happens in committees. Very few will want to take a decision without having some support, so they will slide it off to some other committee that may or may not exist. It is outrageous what's happening.
0: And you're saying that this is one of these cases where this particular test is a no-brainer, where patients are actually going out of our jurisdiction and paying out of their own pocket to get this test.
1: Yes, uh, $4,000 is expensive, but what it does is determine in uh, certain patients with breast cancers and in other tumors whether the addition of chemotherapy a baseline hormone therapy is of any benefit at the present time we're treating these patients but a lot of them will not need this treatment and so uh, you're running the risks of toxic expensive drugs for no benefit and we cannot get this understood the pathologists don't quite get it they think it's just another prognostic test the payers are just batting it back and forward We've had patients on the media trying to explain that this is an important thing and we can't get anybody to listen. But it's very understandable because this is what happens when you have a large bureaucracy with nobody taking responsibility for what is a decision that has to be taken. Now, it is costly, but it has been looked at and it does actually it it comes out cost neutral and it would be equivalent to one of these pay not taken bonuses each year i don't think anybody's particularly to blame here it's the structure that is at fault and i i've got yeah you know i'm obviously um uh, peddling my own my own gripes here but i think it will be applying all over the place slow decision making and you've got to have local decision making in healthcare, it's not an insurance company, Mister Leaper. <laughs> this is healthcare, which is quite different structure.
0: Okay, Sandy. So, in summary, you're saying that you know, from the point of view of somebody who's in the trenches like yourself, you need more local decision making.
1: Oh yes, local decision making and fiscal authority. Uh, we cannot have this central decision making on everything. And uh, I know the the H S understands that and. They're trying to move the, some of the decision-making out to the uh, what were the zones. But it's just showing us again that the actual centralization structure was a was a mistake, in my opinion.
0: Understood. Sandy, we need to wrap up. Any final thoughts?
1: Yeah, you know, I think uh, uh, Dr. Luki Bogle should uh, ask the AHS to perhaps have some incentives uh, set out for people that want to go to Milk River, such as pensions, pay not taken, and uh, nice golden handshakes if they don't like it after a year.
0: Okay. Great. Thanks for joining us, Sandy. We always appreciate your thoughts, and we'll look forward to you joining us next time.
1: Okay. <laughs> Thanks, my friend.